talented people in any org <laughs> in any organization, but especially in church, serving the cause of Christ. I want you to turn once again to Psalm chapter 32. Now, we're going to do a little turning. There'll be a little bit of um, study here and there. Uh, but I want to talk to you this morning about this subject. A lot of confusion about this. Well, a lot of things in here. Number one, where will I spend eternity? <clears throat> in the grave? Out in space? Another planet? Reincarnation? What's going to happen to me, preacher? Uh, it's all according to who you talk to. But there is, trust me, a lot of confusion about that subject. The other one is, is how do I get to there? Who determines where I end up? There's confusion about that also. I want to help you as born-again Christians to confirm whether you're saved or not and why. To those of you that are unsure or you know you're not saved, I want to help you understand how to be saved, why you need to be saved, and who it is that can save you. So I want to help you this morning on this subject, two destinations of all mankind and why. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter number 32. You're already there. Then we're going to go to Romans. Psalm chapter number 32. I want you to look, if you would, once again at verse number 1 and verse number 2. Blessed is he whose transgression... Transgression is the breaking of God's law. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered... Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord, it's a key word here, imputeth. I'll tell you what that means in just a moment. Impu there are certain words in, in our modern day uh, life we just do not use. Covenant is one of them. Imputeth is another one. Iniquity is another one. These types of words we don't just use in our society anymore. If you ever hear a person use those kinds of words, I will guarantee you either they are in church or they have a church background somewhere. Uh, look, if you would, please. He said, but blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now back to Romans chapter 4. Verse number 7 and 8. <clears throat> then I want to give you the Noah Webster's dictionary of imputeth and we will use that word constantly throughout the message, especially at the beginning. Imputeth, look down at chapter number 4, verse number 7. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Sounds very similar to what we just read. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not, there's our word again, imputeth sin. Impute means to make account of. You say, I, I don't fully understand it. It means to reckon or regard. Reckon is a word most people don't use either. How about this? It means to charge to the account of. It means to basically charge it to an individual. To the account of. But yet we read here that it says that blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not, if you would, charge to the account of. Imputeth. Iniquity in Psalm chapter 32 and in Romans chapter 4 it says sin. So God in two verses, there are a lot of others, we'll go there in a minute. God is simply saying...
to somebody, I'll tell you who that is in a moment, I will not impute, I will not charge iniquity and sin to their account. Are you listening to me? I will not charge it to their account. Now this is very important, you get that part. Or a lot of this is not going to make sense later on. God himself said, if you have been forgiven, if you, to those who have been forgiven, to those, listen, who have, how many have been forgiven? You're saved, you're pretty sure you go to heaven, you die? Good. To those that have been forgiven, God will not impute, God will not charge to your account iniquity and sin. Man exists in three places. He exists in three places, heaven, hell, or earth. The eternal destination, there are only two places. You're not going to another planet. There is no reincarnation. If there was, many would come back as a hippo or an alligator or a slug or something. We always think we'll come back as a butterfly. Uh, no reincarnation, no soul sleep. There are two eternal destinations for all mankind. No matter what your nationality is, where you've been born, what you believe, according to the Word of God, there are two eternal destinations for all of mankind. And one is heaven and the other is hell. Yet it is on earth that man's eternal destination is determined. Now I'm going to clear up something here about judgment also. Listen to me carefully. It is on earth which man's eternal destination is determined, listen, listen, before he dies. Before he dies. But what determines his destination? Or, or who or what determines his destination? You ready? Don't say, well, that's up to God. No, 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 no. It's not up to God. What? Listen, it's not up to God where you spend eternity. It's up to you. Listen to me carefully. Man decides that if he decides by faith or trusting God's word that I believe what God says about me. I am a sinner, lost, no hope. I am depraved. I, I, I am not worth going to heaven. There's nothing I can do about it. By faith, I trust what God says about me. And then I also, by faith, trusting God's word, what it says about Jesus as the Savior and his work that he did to bring about that salvation, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We call that the gospel. If a man will do that, because he has done that, then he goes to heaven and heaven becomes his eternal destination. Because, here's the reason why he can go to heaven. Because his record of sin and unbelief has been paid and wiped clean. Follow me now. Follow me. I know what you're thinking. What about after I'm saved and I sin? I'm going to address that point this morning. If a man decides not to believe... Not to trust in what God's words, well, if I see Jesus, you waiting for that, you're going to die and go to hell. Right. Yes, sir. Well, if I don't see an angel, if it's not proven to me beyond the shadow of a doubt, you're going to die and go to hell. Right. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is, God said that, it must be true, I will act upon that, period. 
has nothing to do with your works at all. He said, wait a minute, preacher, you just said me going to heaven or hell is my decision. That is exactly right. Please listen to me. So what am I having here if a man decides I don't believe what God says about me? I'm a good guy. I love my neighbor. Why, I even helped build a church one time. And he goes on and on and on. And by the way, I think there are more religions in the world and there's some good in all of them. Jesus is not the only way. That man's eternal destination that he decided on his own by not trusting God's word, his home is hell. Now, the reason his home is hell also is because he has a record that still has an account charged to him that has never been taken, girls, that has never been taken care of, and because of that, he must pay for his sin. Now, listen to me carefully. Every day that he remains unsaved, things are being added, charged to that account. It's being imputed to you who are unsaved. It is being charged to your record who are unsaved. Remember we read, but unto the saved is it not reckoned. But to the unsaved it is reckoned. It is charged, your iniquity and your sin is not covered up and it is charged to you. Every day of an unsaved person's life, his sin and his iniquity is being charged to his record. Every day he remains unsaved, his debt is growing. His accounts unpaid are mounting up. He cannot pay them. He cannot pay them, yet they must be paid. Thus, he has to go to hell to pay for his own. He cannot pay for his own. Thus, you want to know why hell lasts forever? That's the reason why. If you could pay your own sin debt, perhaps you could suffer enough, do enough in hell to get yourself out. But you can't. Because you cannot pay for sin. Only Jesus can do that. Thus, hell lasts forever. You paying for your sin account, which you can never pay. Listen to me carefully. But preacher, don't Christians still sin even after they are saved? Don't that go on their record? Will my sinning as a Christian ever jeopardize my home in heaven and my salvation? Turn to Romans chapter 4 if you're not already there. Let's read it again. Let's read it again. Watch what it says. Romans chapter 4, verse number 7 saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. We're not talking about unsaved. We're talking about saved people now, right? Then watch what he says. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute or charge to his account his sin. Not only are my sins forgiven and my sins covered up by the blood of Christ, those that I may now commit, now that I am saved are not, don't let this confuse you, imputed to my account. You got real quiet. Let me try to explain. This is why I prayed, God, I don't want to confuse anybody. I want to help you. Those which I may commit now are not charged to my record. Think with me, and then I'm going to go to a scripture. Think, just think. You look, hey, think with me. 
let's assume that everybody who raised their hand in here this morning is genuinely, biblically saved. I was saved 40 some years ago, 46, 47 years ago, uh, 1972, however long ago that was. And I have been saved the whole time because I'm a great guy. No, that's not true. Well, I am a great guy, but that's not why I'm saved. You mean to tell me 1972, July, the, uh, April the 14th, that I have not sinned since then? Here, here's what you do like yet, preacher. That's not true. You're exactly right. So if all of my past sins have been covered and forgiven and that past is no longer charged to my account, what happens now when I sin? Reason with me. If I had to live right and nothing be charged to my account now that I'm saved, none of us would remain saved. You want scripture for that? Go, if you would, please, to Psalm chapter 130. Psalm chapter 130. Psalm chapter 130, verse number 3. You need to see this, so go there, please. Psalm 130, verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? If after I have been forgiven and my record was balanced and made clean and my past has all been taken care of before the night was over with, before I got up from the altar, already there would be charges to my account because of my iniquities and my sins. There are sins of ignorance some of us don't even know we're committing. Charged to your account. You said, but I'm, I'm ignorant. You tell the police that, that you didn't know what the speed limit was. Tell the IRS you didn't know about that. You know, most of them say, I think it's a, a dumb statement. Ignorance is no excuse. No, they're still going to charge you. And yes, sometimes ignorance is an excuse. I didn't know. Okay, watch this. I shot through the wall and didn't know I killed the guy on the other side. I didn't know, but he's still dead. And they'll still charge me. Okay, so here's what we're finally saying here. He said, if thou, O Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? So preacher, God is just going to ignore Christian sins after they're saved. That's the part that scares you, isn't it? You don't know how to answer that question. So you avoid it. Which causes you doubt and reservations about a thing we call eternally secure. You have several problems in, if this is you, you have several problems in your understanding of Bible. Here they are. You ready? Number one, it was not just your past sins that were forgiven. Once you get used to thinking about it, it's not as, as, as odd as maybe you think it is the first time you hear it. Does God know everything? Okay. Is God everywhere always? Okay. Is God all-powerful? Yes, we call that omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Anyway, theological words, okay? Big words that mean what I just told you to begin with. Because of that, when I get saved, God was here. This is why in the Bible, uh, it doesn't, it, a lot of times, it doesn't talk about God as past tense. It talks about God as present tense and future tense. You know why? Because he always is. 
This is why the Bible can say about Jesus, I am the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Why? He doesn't need to change. He already knew back here what today would present, and he already knew back here and here what the future would present. Look at me, Christian. If you're saved and you raised your hand a moment ago, whether you understand it or not, God forgave you of all of your sin. All of it. Past, present, future. You say, but I haven't committed anything yet. But you're going to. Now, if God did not forgive you of your future, Psalm 130, verse number 3, how are you going to stand before the Lord without sin to your account? Now, follow me. Number one, it was not just your past sins that were forgiven. I've preached whole sermons on that. You should have been at the Anchor Baptist Church. Number two, God punishes and corrects Christians while they're on earth for the sins they now commit. If you're saved, the reason Christians normally have it harder than most sinners at times is because your heavenly Father says, I'm going to correct you now while you're here. Because there is no eternal judgment for salvation and correction of sins for Christians. Look, I know all about the loss and gain of, of of, of rewards. Don't outthink me right now. Listen to me carefully. God punishes and corrects Christians while they're on earth for the sins they now commit. I said Christians. Number three, we ask for forgiveness when we sin to stay in fellowship with God, not to continue our sonship with God. You're frowning at me like it's the first time you ever heard this stuff. I hope it's not. If it is, I hope this clears up some things for you. We ask for, you said, preacher, if if all my sins are forgiven, why do I have to pray? I just told you. In the Bible, when you read fellowship, fellowship is meaning walking together, agreeing together. All right? You cannot, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? If I am not living the way I should, not the way you think is okay. The way I should, God and I are not walking together in fellowship. But I am a son of God no matter what happens. If this is the first time you hear that, this is kind of scary, spooky, I don't get it. I understand. I've been there for myself. Number three, we ask for forgiveness when we sin to stay in fellowship with God, not sonship. Number four. Now, why? Let me, let me throw this in here too. Fellowship depends upon our actions. Sonship depends upon his action. What he did on the cross, and I accept that, that, that is my salvation. What I do now that I am saved, that depends, that, that brings about my fellowship with God. We have many, many Christians, I honestly believe, are saved and have no real fellowship with God. Your claim to fame is, I'm saved, and that's as far as you can actually take it. Or maybe one time you were walking with God and you knew it, and now, honestly, you know you're not. You didn't lose your salvation. You're going to face Jesus. I'll tell you why here in a little bit. Now, number four, though unconfessed sins breaks fellowship with our Father, it cannot break our relationship. Okay. Uh, those of us that have kids out in the world. Okay, that got your attention, didn't it? Those of us that have kids out in the world, like it or not, they're your kids. 
I asked a lady one time, I said, is that your child? She said, yep. I said, why? She said, I love them. I said, what happens if you don't love them? They're still mine. I said, yes, ma'am. Why? By birth. You ever notice why it was called being born again? Life is in the blood. Okay? And so what we have here is simply, now that I am saved, I am always a son that belongs to God. However, do you have children that are always yours if they're just perfect, Miss Bell? You mean these heathen are yours even when... Yeah? Okay. Got it. Must run the Bell family here. Who knows? Please understand, God didn't say you're my children as long as I like you. He said you're mine by my promise that I made to you, you are my son. But in this fellowship thing, we are not in fellowship with God many times. And this is why we need to confess to get that fellowship thing right. To be able to walk with God, to enjoy our salvation, to enjoy the presence of our father. The prodigal son was a son. By the way, he wasn't just a son when he was home. He was a son in the far country. He was a son on his way back home. He said, I, I, I just, look, I know I messed up. Make me a servant. That's the way he felt, but that was not his real position. Y'all here? Number five, judgment to come. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Judgment that's coming for Christians and sinners. Judgment that's coming for Christians and sinners. By the way, it doesn't take place at the same time or in the same location. Judgment that is coming for Christians and sinners is not to determine your eternal destination. But to gain or loss of rewards in heaven for the Christian and degrees of punishment in hell for the unsaved. Now, I don't understand a lot of this. I, really, I have to be honest with you. I, don't, I know the Bible talks about it, but I don't understand. Wouldn't hell be bad enough? That's human reasoning. But think of the unjustness, if that's even a word, of sending Hitler to hell and him paying for the deeds that he committed or sending a teenager who just said, I don't want to be saved right now, and goes to hell. How could God be just and both of them be in the same place receiving the same punishment? That's not just. This is why even in man's laws, we have different levels of punishment. Why? Some deserve more punishment. Some deserve less punishment. And the same thing here. They both end up in prison. One has one year. The other one has a life sentence. You know why? That's what they're deserving of for what they've committed or what they've done. Does that make sense? Number six. Most do not understand the judgment and court system of God. We just don't get it. A lot of people think there's going to be this general resurrection and this general judgment day. All right, all you sheep to this side and all you goats. You decide who that is. Over on the, that's not going to happen. That will happen in the judgment of the nations, not us. Did I, did I just? Okay, Mr. Kevin. I got to move on. Number seven. Most Christians believe, most Christians believe, probably many in this church, believe too much sin causes them to lose their salvation. Not, not, not just any sin. Too much sin. How much is too much? Nah, too much. You know. Stop that. Listen to me. Too much sin. What do you, 
where in the Bible is the line of too much sin? Isn't sin sin? Now, the results of sin certainly vary. So how, I just want to know, I don't want to cross that line. So where is the line? I'll preach you have to be good. Okay, I got that part. How good? Well, you can't do this. Okay, I want a list. I want to know. You, you know why it varies from this person to that person? Because there isn't one in the Bible. You know why? It's not biblical. Listen to me carefully. Most Christians believe if I sin too much, I lose myself. Christians, I said Christians believe that. Because somehow they just cannot justify in their head, I can't be right with God when I'm sinning. Well, you are right. You're not right with God. But if you're genuinely saved, you cannot be unborn. Okay, I'm not fond of cats. Weird, huh? You men. I'm not fond of cats. I cannot unborn a cat and make it a dog. Nothing that is born, everything after its own kind, according to Genesis. You, my dear friend, as a human being, cannot be unborn and start over. However, God said you can be born again. You're not starting over your human life. That's Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, how can a man when he's old enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Here was a man, a religious man, teaching other people how to serve God and didn't even understand about the spiritual birth. Like a lot of people in pulpits today. Number eight. They do not understand the difference between fellowship and sonship and how sin affects one or the other. There's just a lot of confusion about this subject how do I get to heaven? Who gets me to heaven? If I can't straighten anything else out, listen to me carefully. Listen. You, my dear friend, are the one who decides heaven or hell. Well, that's up to Jesus where I end up. No, 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 no. He's already decided this only way. Your decision is to accept that or you're going to hell. You say, that's not very nice. I agree with you. It's not very nice at all. It's worse than you think it is. And then number nine, as far as the points go, if you're trying to take notes, all of this is recorded. Many do not understand the finished salvation work of Jesus Christ, and they still believe somehow they have something to do with keeping themselves saved. No, you don't. You say, I'm going to church, so I'll go to heaven. No, you're not. You go to church because that's what God said his children ought to do. But it has nothing to do with your salvation. Let me help you here a little bit. Let's assume you're in here this morning and you're unsaved. Let's assume you're in here this morning and you're unsaved. Now, if that's you, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to listen. Young lady, sit up. Pay attention to me. I'm asking you to look inside your own soul, your own conscience, according to truth, and just make this statement. Am I? Or am I not? I'm not asking you to stand up. I'm asking you to be honest with you about what the Bible says. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just to be careful. On earth, an unsaved person, when they sin, what happens? On earth, when an unsaved person sin, what happens? According to Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 1, they're, watch this, adding sin to their sin. Now, think, think, think about a uh, uh, um, uh, reckoning. Think about a charge to your account. 
You know what that's doing? That's adding more to what's there. Okay? Adding more to what's there. Charging, they're adding sin to sin. They just keep building it up and adding it up. That's why you tell people who are not even saved, please just stop doing some of the stuff you're doing. But the deceiving part about that, they think they're getting better and on their way to heaven if they stop doing some stuff. No, you're not. But at least you're trying not to add more sin to your punishment. To my record that's in heaven. Turn to Revelation chapter number 20. The great white throne judgment, my dear Christian friend, you will never be a part of. Now, if you're there as a witness or something, I'm not really sure about. Some say yes, some say no. But let's put it this way. You're not there to be judged. The great white throne judgment of God is for the dead who do not know Christ. Dead, by the way, life is in Christ. If you don't have life, you're dead right now. Your spirit died when Adam and Eve sinned. You have a spirit, but it cannot connect with God. God talks to our spirit. That's how God works. Without the new birth, you spiritually are dead. So, in Revelation chapter 20, look at verse number 11. <clears throat> and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on, on whose face the earth and heaven fled away. This is not a good day for you to stand on your own and cop a plea. Heaven and earth itself said, Almighty is mounting the throne. We need to get out of here. This is not a good day. This is the judgment day of sinners. The unsaved will stand before God Almighty, not the Savior Jesus Christ, God Almighty, and he will judge according to two things. Also, down here on this earth, uh, okay, let me go ahead and read. I'm sorry. Verse number 12. And I saw the what? We're not talking about physical dead. We're talking about spiritual dead. Small and great stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open. And it tells us what that one is. It says the book of life. Now watch carefully. Now these people are already on their way to hell. They're standing before God to receive judgment because of their credit card is maxed out and they have not paid they did not ask anybody to forgive them so they somebody else could pay it they decided no i'll pay it myself whatever so now you stand before it's we call it the reckoning day right it's time to balance the books oh books let's go back and the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books according to their now, a lot of people interpret this simply as saying, see there, if their good works outweigh their bad works, you wouldn't be here if you're saved at all. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, man, I hope things go my way. You go to heaven, you're going to heaven. You stand at this judgment, you're going to hell, and you ain't getting out of it. You're only here because you're unsaved and you didn't do anything about your sins to accept Christ as Savior. You follow me? All of this is decided down here on this earth. And then he talks about how you'll be thrown into the lake of fire because, verse 15, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I, here on this earth, uh, 
Here's what sinners are doing. Here's what you're envious of. You ready for this? Sinners are not always judged down here. Their judgment's coming. We envy people. This is why the Bible says that their life is slipping. Esaph said, I envied them until it dawned on me. Wait a minute. What is their life? At any moment, they'll slip right off into eternity. Somehow we envy lost people because of the stuff they have. And it appears as though they're being more blessed than we are. Can I help you understand eternity versus... Eternity versus... They are getting everything they possibly can in their 70 years of life. And we think somehow we're missing out and they're getting over. Wrong judgment on your part. The lost person, whatever earth can offer and whatever they can get out of it is all they're getting. Luke chapter number 16. I don't have time to read that. While, I'm down, while they're down here, listen to me carefully. Your lost children out in the world do not have angels watching over them. Quit believing Hallmark Channel. They receive no help from heaven, no Holy Spirit help, no angel help, and no insight to God's word. You have to be born again to have insight in the spiritual book. They have no fellowship with God because they have never known God. I didn't say they know stuff about him. They do not know God, thus they cannot fellowship with him. I'm talking about down here on this earth, okay? It is not the way I live that determines my eternal destination. I'll be punished for the way I live. Jesus gave me a way out. I am making a decision while I'm down here on this earth. I'll either accept what he says or I don't think so. Whether you think so or not, there's two places for all of mankind to go. One is heaven and one is hell. While we're living on this earth, we make that decision according to the word of God by faith. Now, let's assume that when the great white throne judgment takes place, great white throne judgment, no Christian goes here for judgment. All these people are already condemned according to John chapter number 3, verse number 18. He said, ye are already condemned. Sinner, if you're here, you're not going to be condemned one day. You're not going to get to the pearly gates and somebody's going to say, I'm sorry. Good works outweigh your bad works. Right now, the Bible said you're already condemned and it tells us why. Because you have not received the only begotten Son of God. It is your decision to receive Him or not. Thus, you're the one that's deciding heaven or hell. I hope it's starting to make sense to you. You see, what happens here is there are account books, and these account books must be reckoned someday. Somebody has to pay. Some, uh, God will forgive. He already did. You won't accept it. You won't accept it. So what you're saying is, I'll take care of my own credit cards. I'll pay my own way out. If I heard enough, he'll overlook this. Look at me, listen to me. No, he won't. God looks at Jesus Christ and his suffering and what he did and will accept that. I don't care if you suffer and crawl on glass the rest of your life and give everything you got away, you're going to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. You say, that's harsh. Exactly. The line is very clear. God wanted it that way. A wayfaring man, though he be a fool, would not err therein. 
This is not confusing. The books, every secret thing. Listen to me, sinner. Every secret thing, every forgotten thing, every rejected time that salvation, like this morning, was presented to you. Every self-righteous act are all written on your account. God will not overlook a thing. You want to pay? Going to pay it all. You say, I don't want to pay. You don't receive Jesus Christ. In effect, that's what you're saying. The Lamb's book, why would it be there in, in, at this great white throne judgment? God wants you to know your name's not here. But God, I've done this for you, and I've sang rock and roll music for you, and I, I, I've rapped for you, and I, I, I've tried to want young people and, and lifestyle for you. And God said, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. It is not only do you know him, does he know you? It's not what you know about him. Does he know you as his child? If you are not born again, he does not know you as his child. Your name is not in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. And at the great white throne judgment, here's what he's going to do with the book. Not the books, the book. Your name is not found. No life. That's why you're at the great white throne judgment of God. Are you listening to me? The Bible says there in the, in the latter verse of chapter number 20, whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast in the lake of fire. It is your decision to get your name in there or not. It is his book. I accept him. He puts my name in the book. However, no one while you're there at this judgment will stand on your side. You'll have no advocate. You'll have no mediator. You'll have no intercessor. You stand there alone, as the Bible would say, naked before God. Everything's exposed. Every dirty deed, every thought, every self-righteous act, every lie, everything, you've, it's all brought up. Nothing is hid, and it's all written down factually, like in a court of law. You like being an attorney? That's not really what I meant. God's got it all written down. Well, I didn't really say that. God's got it all written down. Well, I meant to. God, by the way, he knows the intentions and thoughts. He said, preacher, you're not giving much room here to wiggle around. You're not supposed to be wiggling anyway. You're supposed to be a Christian. Now, now. A little levity there help you out. You stand alone here in front of God Almighty. Listen to this. You stand there guilty of not receiving his only begotten son and his willingness to forgive you of everything you've ever done. To clean your record and let you become God's son. You reject that by not receiving him. You see, you're basically calling God a liar. 1 John chapter number 5 says if we do not receive him, we call him a liar. We do not believe Jesus gave his life for us. God said he did. So when you don't receive him, you say, I don't believe that. So basically God's lying. Okay. First John, you say, I don't believe that part. You sound like that Catholic woman I tried to win. Uh, first John chapter 5. Look at verse number 10. 
I'm amazed. I don't don't take this wrong. I, I, it's a slap to preachers, as far as I'm concerned. I'm amazed at the Bible ignorance among God's people. Certain things that are said, like what? Where's that? It's throughout the Bible. Look, if you would please, First John chapter five, verse number ten. He that believeth, uh, yeah, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Then he tells us why. Because he believeth not the record that God gave his son. You don't receive Jesus Christ as, as Savior. Here's the record. Here's the record. This is what you'll have to believe. This is God's record of his son. And when you do not receive him, you're saying, I don't believe it. God said, you're calling me a liar. Now, let's go ahead and read verse number 11. This is the record. Here's the record. Ready? That God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. So if I want eternal life, I have to have Jesus. If I don't receive Jesus, I'm saying God's lying. The record said Jesus, Jesus gave his son. I haven't received his son, so I don't believe Jesus. I don't believe God. Verse 12. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son hath not. Right now. Right now. Yes. Hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know Amen. that you have eternal life. Hold it, hold it, hold it. We're not done. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. My dear friend, if you're not saved, you are calling God a liar. You are saying, I'll pay my own way. You are saying, I don't believe this, what God said. So he's lying to me. You say, I've never said anything. It's not what you say. It's what you have not done by receiving Christ's Savior. You see, there's no one to pay your debt. Your debt just keeps growing, and you must and will someday have to pay. <clears throat> Since you have nothing to pay with, God will have his angels, when the Bible says, cast into the lake of fire, the rendering of that or the meaning of that is like a baseball player throwing a baseball. You'll be hurled into hell, the lake of fire. You will stand before God Almighty. If you can, I can't even fathom what this would be like. Stand there with no Christ. Stand there with no mediator. Stand there with no advocate at all. Standing there on my own guilty. The book says so. The book of life says so. And I have to somehow face God Almighty for rejecting his son. Basically, I called you a liar. God will prove all that. God then will pay, pass judgment on, on how I lived and what I did. And then the Bible said I'll be cast from the presence of God I'll be cast. Well, that's the way God is. I don't want to serve him. You're going to die and go to hell. He is your only way out. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, for those that are saved, let me cover this very, very quickly. Go to 1 Corinthians, please. 1 Corinthians. We will not go. You said, preacher, are we going to judgment? Well, it's all according how you want to describe judgment. Our eternal judgment has already been assessed on the cross. Our payment has already been paid on the cross. When we receive Christ, I died in Christ. Christ takes my account and takes care of it with his payment. How, how do you... How do you uh, how do you, in our society this may not make sense, 
How do you pay off a debt? Somebody has to pay for it. Or get yourself an attorney and get out of it. But anyway, watch this. There is a place called the judgment seat of Christ. This is a place where only Christians will go. There are at least 7,000 or more years difference in these two judgments. Am I throwing it? Am I, I, I'm not trying to sound theological or deep. I'm trying to explain something to us here. 1 Corinthians chapter... No, go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to 1 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And verse number 10. This is the Apostle Paul, and here's what he says to Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Again, a person who does not know their Bible says, we must all, like everybody in the world. No, no, no. We, Paul's talking about himself, being a born-again Christian, all of we Christians will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. The other one's called the white throne judgment of God. The untrained person will say, yeah, but God and Jesus are the same. Then why does the Bible keep showing us these different things of God? and Christ and the Holy Ghost. It's for a reason. Watch what he says. He says of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether good or bad. Again, if you're not careful, he said, see, uh, God's going to judge me according to my works. No, he's going to judge your eternal life according to Christ's work, but your reward according to your works now that you're saved. Can I ask you a question? Now that I'm eternally saved and a child of God, you've ever heard a preacher say this? It's, it's not true. It's, it's not true, but it, it, it makes you think. If I had to go to heaven by works, if I had to prove why God should let me into heaven, if I had to, is there enough physical proof in your life that God would say, yeah, he can go. Hey, watch this. I don't. I never could. So I'm going to claim Christ. I have no right to stand before Jesus except Jesus said I have the right to stand with him. I claim the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains that were meant for something... It's a good song. You ought to hear it. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 9. Hurry. i got about 11 minutes. i got to quit. Now, again, we're talking Christians. Watch. For we, this is the Apostle Paul, for we are laborers together with God. Sinners do not fit that. Sinners are not labors together with us for God. Okay? But watch what he says. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise... This is the Apostle Paul talking about how he had won them to Christ. Here's what he said. I have laid the foundation and another build thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Listen. Here's what he says. For other foundation... Can no man lay than is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Is it too cold in here? It is. is I, I want to know. I want you to pay attention to that thing about being cold. Okay, good. I asked. 
Now, if any man, watch. Now, if any man built upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. That's not talking about hell fire. It's talking about judgment. Uh, Psalms and Proverbs talks about uh, the silver for the finer, gold for the furnace, and a man's heart um, according to his praise. God is saying, put it to the test. Here again, what God is simply saying is, during the time of judgment, when that heat, if you would, is put on, we'll find out. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about your works now that you're saved. Okay? I hope this isn't. Okay, watch it, watch it. Go down to verse number 12. Now, if any man build their upon verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, brought out in the open, for the day that judgment seat of Christ shall declare it. Why? Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's uh, work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, that he, which he built thereupon, he shall receive... What? Isn't heaven enough? Aren't we just glad we're going to heaven? Yeah, I think getting rewards for doing what we ought to do makes sense to me. Man, I'd just be glad I'm going to heaven. Knowing my background, I'm just glad I'm going. Amen? But God didn't say that's all I want you to do. He didn't say that's all I want you to earn. He didn't say that's all I want you to do. He said, I want you to live for me now that you are saved. And this is the way I want you to do it. And if you build thereupon the way I want you to, you receive reward. So why do we try to live a certain way after we're saved? For the reward that Christ himself shall give to us. What an honor. Not only did he save us, he said, you know something? Well done. Well done. And according to our works that now that we're saved, my works have nothing to do with me being saved, keeping me saved. It has to do with what I'm talking to you about right now. We find out here you are not going to heaven because you earned it. But after I receive Christ, how I obey and work for Christ, I gain or I can lose rewards that were meant for me to give back to Christ. When we were little, we were very poor. A lot of times we'd go to a birthday uh, party, and we were one of the kids that couldn't bring a gift. Now, whether everybody said it was okay or not, you still didn't feel comfortable doing that, you know, until you saw the cake and ice cream, and that's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm glad I came anyway. You understand? I mean, even as a little kid, you felt awkward and kind of, maybe I shouldn't have come, right? Imagine multitudes casting rewards and crowns and glory and honor. I'm just glad I'm saved. When I sin as a Christian, listen to me, no sin is imputed or charged to my account. You want to know why? I have no account. I didn't say I wasn't any account. I, I have no account. You know why? Jesus bought my account. When you got saved, he bought your account. When the devil, who's accuser of the brothers, yeah, well, what about, I, I saw, God, you saw it too. He says, sure did. Son, he belongs to us, Father. Okay, charge that to my son. Now, he's still going to chastise you, and he's still, why? He loves you. 
God chastises every son that cometh to him because he loves him. Christian, you don't get by with sin. But we pay for our sin here on this earth. This is why we struggle so much. It's not because we're not saved or God doesn't love us. We keep blowing it. Every time we turn around, we pull some boneheaded something or another. We get up a miff. Well, I'll tell you why I ain't going to let you. I did, those people are hypocrites. God didn't say stop serving me because of that. Where else would hypocrites be but in church? Those hypocrites out in the world. They're out in the world, they ain't hypocrites. They finally said, man, forget that putting on stuff. I'm just going to go do it. Hypocrites are in church. Pharisees are in church. I'm better than everybody else. That's in church. I don't really deserve anything. You're a hypocrite. You're trying to act like something that God said you're not. Drawing attention to yourself. Anyway, let's go on with this. Nothing can be unborn. My relationship is never in jeopardy with God. By the way, way, that has never made me want to go out and sin. I've been saved for over 46, 47, 48, something like that. Long time. I have never said, hey, now that I'm saved, (laughs) going to heaven anyway. Hey, might as well eat, drink, and be merry. Why? I'm going to heaven anyway. Hallelujah. I've never said anything like that. Yet I'm accused of preaching that kind of stuff. When you believe in eternal security, this is what people say. You're just preaching that people can do what they want to. I've never said that. Actually, I have more rules and regulations than anybody I know of. And I believe in eternal security. All of heaven and me getting there is based upon a, on the promise and Christ, not upon my feelings and upon me. It is impossible once to be saved to ever be lost. It is impossible once to be saved to ever be Look at me and listen to me. It is impossible. I'll use the word. You know what impossible means? It doesn't mean maybe. Impossible means, when it, even when it's applied to Christ, it is impossible for God to lie. You know what that means? It, 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 that, that'll just never work. That, it's, I can't even fathom that. Go to Hebrews chapter number 6. You're almost there anyway. Hurry, you slow me down. What's my fault you stayed up late? Is Jordan Rell still awake? Look at him. God bless his heart. If I was him, I'd be sleeping up here. Hebrews chapter, it got in a four. Come right here. Bless his heart. What Brother Adam said, oh, bless his heart. <laughs> oh, really? They're sinning? Tell me about it. I just want to pray for them. Um, Hebrews chapter number 6. <clears throat> now, you need to get some scripture down and quit going by what you've been taught, what you think, or how you feel. Quit going by what you have been taught, what you think. I'm going to show you scripture now. I said it's impossible once a person is saved to ever be lost. Oh, that's what this church believes. Oh, no, no, that's what the Bible teaches. You ready? You ready? You got your Bible open? You're just going to stare at me because I'm cute. I know it's a hard decision. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verse number 4. For it is, what is that next word? What does that mean? It's not possible. Inconceivable. I know what you're thinking right now. Stop that. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good work of God, a good word of God, and the powers to come. Listen, if they should follow, he didn't say, see, they can follow it. That's not what he's saying. Read the rest of it before you stop there, Armenian. That means people who believe in you lose your salvation. If they fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing 
they crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Not going to happen. You know what he's saying? Let me tell you why this is impossible. Because Jesus is never going to die for you again. He's not saying it's possible to do that. He just said it's impossible. Once you've done this, once you've done that, once you've done this, once you've you've been saved. You know why? Because Jesus would have to be put to an open shame in order for you to be saved if you were ever lost again. That's why it's once saved, always saved. Jesus is not going to die for you again. So either you're saved forever. If you ever cross that line, you're a goner. That's not true. Now, if you go to Romans chapter 8, I love this one. This is one of the first ones I learned about eternal security. Show me eternal security in the Bible. I can't. It's not in there. The principle and truth is there. That phrase is not in there. Oh, by the way, Bible is not in the Bible. The word rapture is not in the Bible. So before you get all scared about things, okay? So we're just making up stuff, preaching. No, no, no. Romans chapter 8, look at verse number, you're going to like this. Watch this. Go down to verse number 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. It's God that said, ah, they're good with me. How can anybody charge us with anything when it's God that excused us? Or justified us. Look at the next one. Who is he that condemneth? It was Christ that died, yet was raised again, even at the right hand of the Father, who also made... Look, how, how can you possibly condemn me? It was Christ that forgave me. How can I ever be condemned? Jesus himself forgave me. Amen. Uh, you can shout later on. Now watch this. Go down to verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? By the way, it didn't say break up your love for him. There's a big difference, Jesus loving me and me loving him. Oh, I'll be saved as long as I love him. How fickle is that? I'm glad it's not that way. I'd rather have his promise on keeping me than me keeping me. Some of us, we just think we're too good of a Christian. That's what we think. Well, I'll always love I hope you do. But let's just assume maybe one day you didn't. You lost again? We're not done. Watch this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Okay, let's just go through a long laundry list of stuff, okay? Tribulation. How about distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? As is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sound like a sheep, didn't I? Nay. And all these things, we're more, than, we're more than conquerors. Watch, watch. Read the Bible. Quit making stuff up. What's he say? Through him that loved us. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved us. I am not more of a conqueror because I love him, though I do. I am more than a conqueror. What's the Bible say? If you believe in an every word Bible, and I do, if you believe that God used every word because he had something specific to say, and I do, then therefore he said his love for me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. For I am persuaded. Now the apostle Paul had gone through some stuff. He said this, I am persuaded that neither death, what? Nor life. How about angels? Principalities nor powers. Those are demons and evil stuff nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Things I don't even know about yet. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. See, God loves me because of Jesus. When I'm in Jesus, God loves me. Actually, he loves Christ. And so he has to love me. Is anybody here? Just, okay. Turn that frown upside down. Now, so what happens to the saved? I, I have other scriptures. Ah, I got to go to this one. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 1. First Peter, wait by Revelation. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Okay, you know where James is? Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Folks, it doesn't get any more secure than this. Check this one out. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively hope. By, why do I have this hope? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away reserved. Uh, my wife's going to go to Disney World or whichever one's in Florida. And uh, you know it's a real smart thing for you to go down there and make a reservation. When you make a reservation, they give you a confirmation number. Yeah, you ever travel? Okay. They give you a confirmation. Now, if you're the kind that goes, oh, I just go there and, you know, I find Aunt Patty's motel. We stay there. Uh, probably don't need a reservation or confirmation. I have reservation and confirmation of a home in heaven. It cannot be corrupted. It will not fade away. It will not be denied. Watch what else he says. It is who are kept, verse 5, who are kept by you living right. If that's what your Bible says, I just quoted a Bible that wasn't a Bible, and I lied. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And he goes on and says that you ought to rejoice about that, but we won't do that because we don't want to embarrass ourselves. I, I don't want to go to John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29. talks about his sheep. Christ paid all my debt once and for all, for all time. I have no sin to pay for when I get to eternity. I'm paying for some things now. By the way, I still have tattoos. Why didn't they go away when I got saved? I did that. I got junk in my head that will never go away. Do you know who did that? I did that. I am paying here. Now, when I get my new body, no more bad thoughts. No more fleshly sinful desires. Why? New body. As long as I still have this body, everything I do, somewhere along the line, these knuckles, this writ that I can't hardly pick stuff up anymore, you know whose fault that is? Mine. Some of us are our worst enemy. We create such things and then we, oh God, please, we did this. Should not sin be paid for somewhere? Would God be just to let us go scot-free when we do things sinful? The eternal judgment has been paid. You got a home in heaven, I don't care if you don't even want to go. Why? Because God made the promise, not you. But I'll promise you this. You step out of line with God. You back away from church. You back away from doing right. And I promise you within a year or two, you're going to start paying. You say, why a year or two? I just watched it. We're all excited. Oh, yeah, so-and-so left. And they're doing so well. They've only been gone, what, like three months or something? 
your daughter, your son? You know the prodigal son when he left, he doing pretty good at first. I'm not trying to be crude, but actually he was partying and whoring around, running around with lost people doing what he wanted until a famine hit. You know what that is? Tough times. Unexpected tough times. And everything he walked away from father's house with, he used up. And father did not replenish it. You know why? Father don't live in a pig pen. On earth, we have broken fellowship with God. We're not sure the full weight of that, most of us. We lost out on opportunities that could have been ours. We lose out on joy and peace and power. The chastening of God. By the way, the chastening of God isn't... Now, don't do that again. We find out according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it could mean weakness, sickness, or premature death for his children. This is nothing to... Dis, dis, disobeying God, not doing what we know... This is nothing to play with. Even as a born-again Christian... I'd sure hate to meet Jesus, die, and seemingly the next second stand before him and say, uh-oh. I died early, didn't I? Because of disobedience. It's all written down. It's all written down. Unable to get insight, of God, insight into God's word. I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. I, that's why a lot of people sit in church. And we get so bitter. I can almost see you grinch your teeth. You raise eyebrows. You cock your head. What, what are you doing? Deciding whether you like what God said? No, what you're deciding is my attitude. As though that'll change truth somehow. Look, I'm not crazy about my attitude all the time. I don't like his most of the time. What does that mean? I'm kidding. Good grief, you got a bad attitude. <laughs> to face my Savior and give an account of what I did once he gave me life. How much weight does that carry with you? Let me close. No one will ever step foot in heaven or be raptured only to find out they did not make it. No one will step foot in heaven or be raptured from this earth only to find out you did not make it. There is no Bible for that at all. No one will ever go to hell or the great white throne judgment only to find out, hey, I, I can't believe it. I'm really going to heaven. There's no Bible for that. It will not happen. Judgment is not to deliver, is not to, judgment, eternal judgment is not to determine destination. That is settled down here on this earth before you die. There's no purgatory, no second chance, no reincarnation. You're not going to another planet. Judgment is to be determined, saved. For us right now, it will determine gain or loss of reward at the judgment seat of Christ when you face him. Now just meditate on that for a moment. You're looking at the Savior who went through all of that. That brings so many tears and thoughts to our mind when it's described. Now I'm standing before him in all his glorified body and power. And I quit. I didn't do anything. I couldn't take it. I didn't want to. I don't care what other people said. 
Does that carry any weight at all anymore? To me, it still does. Maybe not as much as it should, but it still does. When we start making excuses on, I don't have to, just think about your Savior facing Him and say, thank you for life. I didn't do one stupid thing for you the whole time you gave me life. Well, I think I'm a good person. That's not what I just said. For those that are lost, degrees of punishment in hell. I don't know how to explain that. I don't. I would think hell would be bad enough. Evidently, it's not. Because God said there are degrees of punishment. And I can show you in the Bible where he will actually hold whole cities more accountable and giving more punishment than other cities. It's in the Bible, folks. It really is a lot up there. One question. If you died now, where are you going? Well, I don't know yet. You better make up your mind before you die. And by the way, by the way, please stand up and let me know exactly when your appointed time is. Promise me when you're going to die, when you get real old like me. Or Brother Usher, real old. I was going to say a certain woman real old, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, We always think because I'm healthy, I don't think there's anything wrong with me. Somehow that's a promise that we're still going to continue to live. There's an appointment for every man who wants to die. Does the sentence stop there? And after that, what? So will you be at the judgment seat of Christ, Christian? At the great white throne judgment. No matter which way you go, one, you're lost and will give an account of your life. The other one, you're saved and will give account of your life. Neither one of those has to do with your eternal destination. That is determined right here. You better hurry and get saved before you die. Setting in church, you could go straight to hell. You fell over a heart attack right now, you go straight to hell. You say, but I was in church. I'm sorry, church doesn't save. Jesus saves. Are you saved? If you're not, I beg you this morning. Christian, I'm not trying to confuse you. I hope it's cleared up some stuff for you. You that are lost, please. You're not one day going to be found in the balances and decide whether you're going to. There's no Bible for that. There's not a general resurrection. There's not a general judgment. There's a judgment for sinners and there's a judgment for the saved. Neither one of those has to do with your eternal destination. If you're not saved here, you're going to the great white throne judgment. If you are saved here, you're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. They are at least a thousand years apart one from the other. I hope you're saved. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you. I pray, dear Lord, that you would, by your Holy Ghost and by the truth, nobody here would leave here without verbally saying it, but calling you a liar by not receiving Christ as Savior. They are condemned already. They're not one day going to be condemned. They are condemned already. God, I pray, I really, really do. If there's one person, young or old, a great-grandma or a grandpa, an aunt, an uncle, a married couple perhaps, maybe a church person who, who's really been trying to live right, but now it's come clear, I'm not, I don't think I really got saved. I pray, dear Lord, they'll set all embarrassment and shame and fleshliness aside and say, Jesus, I come, I come. Lord, please help us this morning to be honest again about us and you, about the word of God and ourselves. 
please, bring great conviction upon the people that are here. I also hope, dear God, by your spirit and truth, that many have confirmed, yep, I'm saved. Yep, I'm living for Jesus. Or perhaps I've eased up. I've still got to answer for the way I live, not my eternal life, but to present myself to Jesus. I pray that we'll all make the adjustments that we need to make. In a moment, she's going to play. If you're here this morning, I beg you, I beg you, please, stop thinking about the enjoyment that might be out in the world. It is but for a moment. It is but for a moment's pleasure. And the devil will give you just enough not to fulfill, but keep you walking in a wrong direction until it's too late. God, he will give you and guide you and tell you what to do and how to go about it and be with you. But he likes to pay for things and then reward. The devil gives you a so-called reward and then you pay for it later when you can't. I beg you this morning, church people, let's stop being church people, okay? Let's just stop being good church people. Let's go back to saying, God, are you pleased with me? I'm in church. I'm saved. I think I'm doing right. Am I, uh, am I pleasing to you, though? That's what we want to know. In a moment, as soon as they begin to play, I want you to get right up out of your seat. I want you to come down this altar. You do not just work on sin, you confess sin. If you've been sinning this week, this month, this year, and you have not asked for forgiveness specifically for those things, uh, your sin is separating that fellowship between you and God. I beg you, please, no matter what your age is, if you were about ready to die right now, I promise you, your whole outlook setting in a church service would change. We don't believe that. What a shame. Jesus is coming back, my friend, ready or not. One day he will just, and we'll be gone. Will you be gone? Will you be saved? I'm saved, preacher. Are you ready to meet him now that you're saved? As they play, we stand in the building. If you need to pray, you come right now. Isn't it amazing? This kind of preaching, living for God, not being saved, not ready to meet him. Still making excuses. I think I'm okay. I think this is good enough. Okay, that's fine. I'm not your judge, but I will warn you. I will. I will bring to mind what we should and shouldn't do and why. That is my job, and I will do it. But I'm not your judge. I'm not your judge. You'd be a lot better off if I was. I cannot imagine standing before my Savior. I gave my life to him and tell him, ah, I sat in a pew most of the time. I didn't do much. Ah, I gave it a shot. didn't work for me. See, preacher, I don't need to explain that. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jesus. And you, sinner, playing your games, laughing in church, acting like it's not a big deal, playing right into the devil's hands. That's how foolish that you are. He don't care about you. Your worldly friends don't care about you. It's all a big game and a ploy to keep you heading in a wrong direction. Whether you understand that or not, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, my friend. He is coming.
the harsh reality. We can't even hardly take the preaching about it. Imagine standing before him and answering for it. Pretty scary business, isn't it? got saved and they would say let's bow our heads and pray for sinners I remember praying like crazy now we stare at others laugh, giggle, pack up I'll be the first one out of the parking lot you know gotta beat the Lutherans down in the steakhouse I'm really tired preacher I need to get out of here, we didn't used to be that way we're growing colder, we all know it so why aren't we at the altar we don't have baptism I'm glad you're here. I'm always amazed. I really am. I just, I think it'll be, get like this more and more as time goes on. I honestly believe less and less people will come to an altar in public. Lutherans got rid of their altars. Methodists got rid of theirs. A lot of Baptists have moved theirs to a side room somewhere. Do you know why? They got tired of calling it an altar and nobody come there. So instead of suffering the embarrassment, they just change directions. Adults, we're not living that good. Okay, watch it. Ready? I'm not living that good. I'm not trying to be humble. I know me. So what, all this week, no dirty thoughts? All this week? No forgiveness not given. All this week, no bitterness building up. All this week, arguing, fussing, fighting. How come we aren't the altar? Uh, we're working on it. That's not how you handle sin. You don't work on sin. You get right with God about your sin. It's called confession and forgiveness. I'm glad you're here. Don't forget, Brother Mann will be here tonight. And uh, he's always a lot of fun. And uh, glad that you're here. Uh, those of you that I, I preach, honestly, I know we got this spaghetti dinner thing going on, okay? And you say, oh, good, free food. Yeah, it costs you $8 now if you want to go down there. So this free food stuff, yeah, ain't working. Um, but uh, don't forget that. If you're supposed to be helping, make sure you get with Brother Pledger and do what's right. Bus people, be careful going back out again. Thank you for being here. See you tonight at 630. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you then.